This is Football CFB, the home of unique football content. I never told you You scared off the vultures I never told you You scared off the ghosts living in my head That lay lonely in the dirt That Joined today on the podcast by a true legend of Scottish football and, and an Aberdeen icon, Willie Miller. Thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Okay, good to be here. Good to talk. I want to start, Willie, by talking about your childhood because we all know you as being one of the most iconic centre-halves in Scottish football, but you didn't start out as a centre-half, is that right? No, um I mean, my first introduction to uh, football was probably late in, in primary school, and uh, I was a goalkeeper. Uh, and uh, I think it was the old story that nobody wanted to play in goal, so I was invited by a couple of teachers to, uh, you know, take over in between the sticks. So that was actually my first introduction was um, round about, when would that be, round about... 66, 67, I would think. Yeah, yeah, I would have been maybe 11, 10, 11, 12-year-old, something like that. So, yeah, as you go, I actually went to uh, went to America with the Scottish schoolboys, um, and I was one of the goalkeepers uh, there, and, uh, and, and and it was, a you know, quite an experience coming to the east end of Glasgow and, you know, managing to get myself uh, over to... Uh, New York, New Jersey, and 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 play football over there, and uh, that was my kind of a start of my career was uh, in, in between the sticks for school and Glasgow school. From being a goalkeeper, you are then playing up front for a spell as well. That that must have been strange. Uh, yeah, well, it wasn't strange at the time because that's all I knew. Um, I kind of I came out of goal, kind of a developed pretty quickly uh, going into secondary school um, and then going into the secondary school uh, you know you, I, I think most uh, most kids want a, a wee bit of the glory and the glory is all in scoring goals isn't it <laughs> I seem to be tall enough strong enough and uh, you know mobile enough to, to play either as a striker or you know in the wide area as well, I, I played, um, you know, for Glasgow schools and secondary through the middle and in wide areas. Uh, so it was, uh, it was a striker that I kind of a turned into, and that's uh, how I developed for the next what that would be until I was seventeen. Um, I, I was a striker, uh, you know, developing in school, catching the eye of Bobby Calder, the Aberdeen scout, being offered. Um, an S-form signing for Aberdeen, you know, having trips to Aberdeen uh, and developing myself um, until I was eventually offered the opportunity age 16 to come up uh, to Aberdeen and that was as a striker. When you signed for Aberdeen, just how proud a moment was that for you and your family? Well, it was great. You know, it was uh, obviously a very proud moment, I think, uh, getting um, afforded the opportunity to at least try to make a, a a career out of football. Um, 
then it was uh, it was something pretty special. Uh, I think we were all very proud at the time, and obviously a difficult road, a difficult road for any uh, youngster. You know the the likelihood of success is very small. Um, you know, even when you're given that opportunity to join uh, a professional club, uh, but it is a very proud moment and uh, one that I look uh, back on with uh, uh, with a lot of cherish. In your time at Aberdeen, when you just signed for the club, you, you mentioned the fact you were a striker. You also had a, a loan spell early on with Peter Head. What was that like, going out and loan and, and playing sort of men's football? Yeah, it, it uh, allowed you to very quickly understand, you know, what the game was about. Um, th- there was a number of uh, players based in Aberdeen that played for Peterhead, and uh, they would they, they would take me under their wing and uh, show for me about getting to games. Um, but going in at the senior level at age sixteen was uh, a, a really kind of a experience that helped you to grow up pretty quickly um i was quite you know physically developed at that time so i could handle uh, the physical side of it but uh, just you know learning what it's all about um you know playing with seasoned professionals that uh, probably semi-professional at that time um you know actually uh, going up against them the, the the physical side of it the mental side of it as well so it was a great learning experience and uh, something that I look back on, uh, you, you know, very fondly. You, you mentioned you, the fact you look back on that very fondly. You go back to Aberdeen and then we, we mentioned the fact that you were a striker. Upon your return to Aberdeen, that's when you were sort of converted into a centre a centre half and Teddy Scott was one of the people who kind of was influential on that, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Um, you know, going back to Aberdeen and... I would be 17 then, and the first season as a professional, it wasn't really going my way at the beginning of the season. Um, I wasn't getting too many opportunities to uh, to play up front. Um, it wasn't looking good uh, for the first four, three, four months of the season, and it was a concerning time because, you know, the, the, the career had kind of a stalled. Uh, and then it was, it was Teddy who, who took the... A reserve team at that at that time, and he was struggling for defenders. I mean, it was more a case of uh, you know your your team needs you to, to to play at the back, and Terry obviously was looking around. He was struggling for defenders. He had plenty of midfield and forward, and uh, he suggested that uh, I could play in that, that that position, take that role on, and and be pretty comfortable in doing it. So I've got a lot to thank Teddy for, for, you know, that kind of an insight into the qualities that I had. Um, and uh, I, I went back and, and played um, centre-back for, for the reserves. And, you know, at the end of that season, so that would have been when I was 17 and, and you know, taking, being a converted to a central defender round about... I would say the turn of the year, uh, maybe November, round about that, and then by March I was uh, I was given the opportunity to play in the first team. But funnily enough, uh, I made my debut down at uh, Morton as a striker again. Um, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't going to be long lasting. And uh, beginning the next season, the season after that, I was actually uh, you know playing regular regularly at uh, centre back for the first team. 
you mentioned your debut there against Morton. What do you remember from your debut? Were you were you nervous, excited, a mix of both? Well, I, th- I think excited. It was uh, it was a game at the end of the season. Um, I came on as a substitute, uh, and, and just to get the chance, I'd been kind of a floating about the first team, um, you know, and training with them. Uh, but to get the opportunity to play and, and go out there and, uh, and and participate, not my favourite ground, I must admit, but uh, <laughs> better grounds um, than Green of Morton. We've had a lot of uh, disappointments at, uh, at, at, at Morton, but on that day, it was a special day and, uh, and, and one that uh, I, I won't forget. You mentioned the fact that you, you get back into, you start playing at centre-half and one of the the big moments in your Aberdeen career, you've had plenty of them, was was when you were made the the captain of the club in nineteen seventy five by Ali McLeod. Just how proud a moment was that for you, and what was it Ali like to work with? Well, he was a one off Ali, um, that's for sure. It's, uh, it was all about you know enthusiasm. It was all about uh, you know enjoying the game. It was uh, it was certainly different. Different training-wise, um, he was an enthusiast. He, he, he rallied the, the city. I mean, the city was was buzzing. I think you know the nation can remember him in '78 when he, he, he got the nation rallied as well. Going to Argentina, unfortunately, you know we know where that went. But that doesn't take away from the fact that he could uh, you know bring an infectious enthusiasm to supporters. He did that. At Aberdeen, he, he, he thought he changed the captaincy from Bobby Clark, who was a goalkeeper, to me, um, who's an outfield player, and he felt that you know a captain should be an out an outfield player. Bobby Clark was a magnificent servant to the club, but uh, he wanted you know an out an, an outfield player, and he gave me the captaincy. And of course, from then on in, I held on to that captaincy until I retired. I want to talk about the the first major trophy you won with Aberdeen, and that was the the League Cup in nineteen seventy six against Celtic at Hamden. I recently interviewed Joe Harper, one of your former teammates, and he spoke about his time obviously at the club both spells very fondly. What was that cup final like for you? Because I, I imagine when you get to your first real cup final and your chance of silverware, it's a massive moment. Well, it is, yeah. Um, you know, and it's one that you've got to uh, cope with. Um, you know, in the 70s, we had, uh, you know, a few cup finals. That was the first one, so that was the first taste of it. The semi-final was, I think we beat Rangers 4-1 four, four in the semi-final, if I remember rightly. I think it was uh, Jockey Scott with Hattrick and Drew Jarvey with one. So we're getting into the game with confidence, but, you know, the memories of the cup final was Celtic were the better team and, uh, you know, we hung in there until David Robb came on and, and managed to, uh, you know, get the ball over the line for, for that winner. Um, but it was a magnificent occasion and, you know, to lift a major trophy um, at that time where Rangers and Celtic were totally dominant in, in the game in Scotland was a great achievement and, uh, you know, it gave you the taste for uh, you know, lifting trophies, and you know that was a that was a first. There was kind of a bit of a hiatus to, to the next one, but I think you always remember your first major trophy. I, I, I certainly, you know, remember that one, but with, with a lot of 
a lot of pride and uh, you know the fact that you've managed to take on both Rangers and Celtic in the way to lifting it. Absolutely. When you mentioned that, it was a very good Rangers team, a very good Celtic team that you played in your way to lifting the trophy. And one of the players you came up against that day, and you've come up against them plenty of times in your career, was was Kenny Dalglish. What were your battles like with Kenny Dalglish like? Well, he's a magnificent player. You know, firstly, I, I think uh, probably one of the most talented players that uh, that we've had in Scottish football. Um, you know, up there uh, with the likes of uh, Dennis Law and Baxter. Um, listen, it was always there was always a pleasure to play with them at international level, um, and it was always a challenge when you had to play against them um, at club level. You know, so we, we had uh, you, you know a number of games where we tried to uh, curb them. Um, fortunately, on the day that we lifted the trophy, we managed to do that reasonably well. Um, but a very difficult opponent, uh, top quality uh, footballer, and a, a great person as well. You mentioned that <clears throat> McLeod was it was was a very good manager for you and in, in, in the club. When he ultimately leaves the club and he's replaced by Billy McNeil, with Billy McNeil being such an iconic figure in football and a, and a fellow centre half, were you excited about his arrival? Yes, um, we were, um, and uh, we had a good season under uh, Billy, you know, on the back of Harry uh, leaving to take over the international managership. Um, unfortunately, it was only just the, the one season because he got the call from, you know, the club that he loved and played for, uh, Celtic. But, yeah, he came with, uh, you know, a, a huge stature and personality and knowledge in, in football, so... Uh, we look forward to that. Um, you know, we took any advice that he could give us on board, and uh, we had a very good season, not winning anything, but getting you know pretty close to, to, to doing it. Uh, unfortunately uh, for us, um, the call came from Celtic, and uh, at the end of that, that first season, his one and only season at the club, he left to take over the hoops. In terms of Billy as a manager and as a person, what was he like to work with? A huge presence. You know, he was one of these people that when he walked in a room, he held, you know, he held the audience. Um, I think there was respect there, obviously, from what he had done as a, a, a player. Um, you know, the training was structured. Um, but I think it was his personality. You know, he had a big, big, personality and that personality and what he'd achieved in the game brought a huge amount of respect from the players and uh, that season was a very good season for us Two of the players that Billy brought in during his time with Aberdeen that season Gordon Strachan and Steve Archibald what were they like to work with and when they arrived could you see their quality straight away? Yeah, um, I think Gordon took a wee bit of time Uh, in fact I don't think Gordon Really, uh, kind of a blossomed under under Billy. It was more the next manager who we might be talking about as well. I would imagine um, <laughs> that uh, Gordon kind of came to the fore. Um, you know, Steve Archibald. Yeah, I mean, he was a goal scorer. Uh, Steve, I mean, Gordon was a magnificent player, and you know, eventually he he kind of showed the quality that that, that uh, he possessed and. 
the the quality that uh, Blink Neil uh, saw in him. Uh, but that didn't really come to fruition until, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson took over. As far as Stevie was concerned, yeah, I mean, always a goal scorer, always a threat in the box. Um, you know, not particularly one outside the box, although I don't think Stevie would maybe agree with that. But I think he did what he had to do outside the box. But when he got inside that 18-yard box, that's where um, you know, the staff started to shine. And, uh, you know, always a threat, always scoring goals, always wanted to score goals. And, you know, two magnificent players that, uh, that Billy brought to the club that played a significant part in the history of the club. You mentioned the fact that the next manager, and of course we have to talk about Sir Alex Ferguson. What was it like when he came in right away? Because... We know what he's done in the game with yourselves at Aberdeen and we'll talk about that and we know what he's obviously went on to do at Manchester United but what was it like when he initially arrived? Well, he was quite a young manager at the time and he was uh, quite a brash, uh, had a brash personality. Um, I think he, he, was, he had a great determination, he had a great drive and, and, and will to be successful and you know, try to end the Ranger Celtic domination, but in, in, in doing so, he wasn't everybody's cup of tea, I would say, at that time. And you know, he made changes, players went out, players came in, youngsters eventually got the opportunity. But the initial early stages was uh, was, was quite a, a rough ride, I think, uh, until he got what every manager needs to get, and that is his own players in, and you know, the respect from that that squad, getting them playing the way that he wanted them uh, to play. Um, but I wouldn't say it was just a, a smooth transition. Um, you've got three very di- different personalities in McLeod, McNeil and Ferguson. And uh, it takes a wee bit of time to get used to each of them and they all go about it in a different way. Um, and, and I think the first you know, season, maybe a little bit longer than the season, I think it, 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 it took that for everybody to understand where uh, Sir, Sir Alex was coming from and, and you know, kind of a buy into the way forward and uh, the determination to uh, overcome the old firm. You mentioned that, the fact that it takes a wee bit of time to to adapt, but he was very adamant that when he came in, he wanted, as you've said, to break the dominance of, of, of Celtic and Rangers. He comes in in, in 78 and within really... 18 months to two years, you're not only competing for the title in Scotland, but you're, you're winning the title. In terms of the domestic success in the, the three league titles that you won under Sir Alex at, at Aberdeen, what was it What was it like being involved in those league winning campaigns? Because he was just utterly relentless. And so were you as a team. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, um, you know, we drilled in two is that that's why he came to the club he had, uh, came to Aberdeen to be successful to over overturn that domination that Rangers and Celtic had which was not going to be easy because you're, you're talking at that time 18-20 years of domination where no other club has uh, has won the title um, I think it was back in 66 or something like that can't remember exactly Kilmarnock I think was the team that had won it previously um, but that was that was drilled into us, and you know we, we had players there that 
had that mentality as well. Bobby Clark, for instance, was uh, one that had been at the club for you know such a long time, 60s through Eddie Turnbull, lifting the Scottish Cup. Joe Harper as well was one. Um, you know, I was uh, definitely had that that determination and and that will to try and you know make uh, Aberdeen something special. So it, it was it was um, it was a kind of a fierce kind of an attitude that you had towards you where, you know, nothing was going to be impossible. And, you know, if you've got a manager like that that can impart that on his players, then, you know, the, the unusual can be achieved. And that's what we managed to do over what, seven years or whatever it was. He was at the club. In terms of the domestic... Games, many a time you went to Celtic Park and you went to Ibrooks and, and you won pretty comfortably. See, when you went into those games under Sir Alex and with the team that you had, were you always confident going into any game? Well, you, you build that confidence up, but that was the, that was, you know, the end uh, product was what he was looking for and what we were looking for was uh, being able to go to Glasgow and being able to you know, handle the situation when you're playing at Ibrox, when you're playing at uh, Parkhead, and also when you're playing at Hamden, because, you know, Glasgow's the home of Rangers and Celtic, so we're the, we're the tourists, so we, we're coming down and we've got to, we've got to not just be as good as Rangers and Celtic, I don't think, in, in Glasgow, I think we've got to be better than Rangers and Celtic, and that's what, uh, you know, Sir Alex really drilled into us, it wasn't, a case of just being as good. You had to be better. You had to handle the occasion. You had to handle everything that was going against you. You know, he built up that kind of a fortress that everything was against us. Everyone was against us as well. And we took that to, down to Glasgow. And, and you're right. I mean, we at that time felt that we could take uh, Rangers and Celtic on and and beat them whenever we came up against them, uh, whether that's at home or whether it's away from home, whether it's in the league or whether it's in the cup final. Um, we had that attitude, and I think that's the kind of attitude that you need um, to take when you're going to play the old firm. Before we go on to talk about the the incredible moment that is Gothenburg in, in, the, in the run to that final, I want to just talk about the domestic domination a wee bit more under Sir Alex Ferguson. One of the the key components of that team, I mean, you had plenty of great players over the spell. You had obviously Gordon Strachan, Mark McGee, Neil Cooper, John McMaster. The list goes on and on and on. But I want you to talk about yourself and Alex McLeish. What a partnership that was and and just how confident and how sort of, for want of a better phrase, telepathic in a way was it when you were playing alongside Big Alec? Yeah, I mean, I had been in the team for uh, a wee while and uh, Alec was uh, the, the, the kind of a youngster coming in. Um, but it didn't take us too long to form that relationship and that partnership. It was pretty it was pretty much the kind of a perfect balance, you know, between the big, strong, uh, tall, uh, powerful um, centre-back and the kind of a smaller perhaps less mobile uh, player that wanted to play around about him. So it was, uh, you know, we didn't have any conflicting views on the game. You know, Alec liked to play the way he liked to play and I just did my bit. And when you put the two of them together, it just seemed to work. 
Um, we played probably 17 years together, I would think. So when you're playing, <laughs> when you're playing that length of time um, together, then you're going to build up. Uh, you're going to build up, uh, you know, a, a totally unbelievable um, partnership and understanding. And you're playing at international level. You're taking on the best in the world. Uh, you're testing yourself against the best in the world. You're going to all the big uh, uh, stadia, the, the, the major countries, and, and you're being tested there. So when, when you're playing together for such a long period of time, then uh, that that understanding just uh, gets better and, and better. Um, you know, it was a, a good understanding from the start. It wasn't perfect, but, you know, given a, a season or two, I think we, you know, really managed to uh, get that understanding going so much so that you know we just second nature going out in the park together and yeah we would talk about the game afterwards and, and we'd analyse it but we kind of knew what each other was going to be doing on the field of play and uh, it was just the perfect relationship for me and I think Alec it, uh, it made our it made our domestic career and it also made our international career one player I, I want to ask you about, just because he's a, he's a player who I'm, I'm from the Inverclyde area, as you know, and a player who is basically the, the the most decorated player to come out of our area is John McMaster. Just just what was John like as a player and as a character? I mean, John was as honest as they come in terms of uh, you know what he would give you. He gave he gave you everything. He had a sweet left foot. He wasn't the most mobile. Could play in a number of, uh, of positions. Um, great guy off the park, uh, absolute, absolute uh, gentleman off the park, still is. Um, but magnificent player on it. And, you know, you always felt that if you could find John with the ball, with an easy pass, then it would be John McMaster that would be making the more difficult pass forward. He could pick that pass out, he had great vision. You know, whether it be long or short, his long passing was, uh, was immaculate. Um, and, and just, you know, a fabulous uh, player, very trustworthy as well. You knew you could trust him when he was on the field of play. Uh, so he's just a brilliant player for the club. In terms of the domestic honours that you won, Willie, you won three league titles, four Scottish Cups, three league Cups. In terms of the domestic honours, what one stands out for you? I suppose maybe you might not be able to pick one because I'm sure they all stand out, but what one stands out for you has been has been one you look back on as not most fondly, but you just look back on and think, wow, that was that was just an incredible moment for myself personally. Yeah, I mean, I think domestically, the, 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 the one in the league, uh, you know, down at Easter Road where... Um, the title was more or less done and dusted. Uh, there had to have been a, a, a silly result against Partick Thistle in the midweek for uh, you know for, for, for us not to lift the title. So that that was that lifting the title was always the uh, challenge. It was always a target. It was it was the big trophy. Um, you know, and as I said, I'm not too sure how many years it was uh, since. Uh, a team outside the old firm had actually lifted it, but it was a number of years, maybe a couple of decades, something like that. Um, and to lift it, I think, you know, actually winning the title kind of like gave you that self-belief, that inner self-belief that 
allowed us to go on and, and lift all the trophies you're talking about. And, you know, really being the, the, the major force in lifting trophies probably for that five years um, of the early 80s. So I think when I look back, although the first trophy will always be cherished and, you know, the, the, the cup finals that I played in, absolutely. But the first league title is the one that made the difference in, in my estimation anyway. That was the one that uh, kind of allowed us to believe that uh, we could do something special here and we actually went on to do something special. One thing I'm desperate to ask you about, I, I recently had the the pleasure of being in Gordon Strachan's company. He was down doing an event in Greenock and I, I got a chance to sit and have a chat with him after it, which was an absolute joy. One of the moments he always talks about when he does a sort of a speech, as you know, is the, the sort of 83 Cup final when Ferguson famously comes out and says that performance was a disgrace. McLeish and Muller won the Cup. They won the Cup for us. What was that like for you and, and, and Big Alec? Because I remember Gordon always describes it as in the dressing room, when when Ferguson's obviously get on his sort of rant and his his passionate speech that he's thinking to himself, have we won the cup? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know it was uh, you know it was only a number of days after lifting the uh, European Cup Winners' Cup as well, and the rant in the dressing room. Uh, you know, we were all aware of that because we were all there, but we weren't aware of the TV rant outside where. Um, that was broadcast, you know, that quote was broadcast and I believe every time Big Alec uh, sees wee Gordon, he brings that up and <laughs> uh, just reminds the wee man that uh, it was uh, him and me that uh, actually got him that trophy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was... Uh, we couldn't understand it at the time and it took him, it took him the rest of the night actually to calm down. It was okay by the next morning. In fact, it probably didn't calm down that night. Uh, but it was a bit, it was a bit more respectful in in the morning uh, when we had the little gathering to kind of reflect back on it and realise that uh, perhaps it was a little bit over the top with his comments. I mean, me and Big Alec agreed with him. I don't <laughs> think the rest of the players did. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I just think it was a standard that he had set. It wasn't happy with the performance. Okay, we, we had lifted the trophy. The performance wasn't the best. I think we were all pretty shattered on the back of the uh, Cup Winners' Cup victory. Um, but we, you know, as all good teams do, you, you find a way. You find a way to win, and we found a way to win that maybe didn't please him. But I'm sure looking back, uh, he, he probably won't regret what he said. But I think he would be a little bit more respectful that perhaps he shouldn't have quite went that far. During your time at Aberdeen, a really golden time for the club. Who were the big characters in the dressing room and, and, and who were the sort of big personalities, whether in the coaching staff along with Sir Alex? I know Archie Knox was obviously there as well. Who were the big characters around that time that, that helped drive the team on in, in other ways, maybe, than the manager? Well, the, the, there was loads of them. Um, you know, you're speaking about Gordon. Uh, Gordon was a character in the dressing room. Um, we had Stuart Kennedy, who was... Uh, such a determined and confident uh, uh, player um, who always had something to say and still does to this day. Uh, big, big character. McLeish was always a bit of a joker um, as well. He, if there's anything going on, then McLeish knew about it or was part of it. <laughs> um, 
Mark McGee, uh, absolutely strength, determination, um, you know, will to win. Uh, brilliant, and of course Neil Cooper, uh, who the late Neil Cooper, who you know was just the the joker in the pack. There was nothing ever too serious for for Neil. Um, you know, there was always a story to be told. There was always a joke on his lips. There was always an impersonation to be done. Um, you know, so it was packed. It was packed with character. It was packed with uh, with uh, players that all brought something different. Uh, to the club and when you put it together it just worked In terms of the the European Cup winners Cup win Gothenburg before we talk about that I want to talk about the run to the final what was that run in Europe mm-hmm. like because I think a lot of people forget that you beat Bayern Munich on the way as well we obviously know you beat Real Madrid in the final but I feel that a lot of people forget the fact that you also beat Bayern Munich yeah, yeah, and just on the characters, I forgot one there, Bobby Clark, who was a, a huge influence on uh, me and the club as well, uh, just quite a, a magnificent person. Um, but the, the, yeah, the, the run, um, I, I think, you know, you, you know, I was talking about belief earlier, uh, when we won the uh, league um, for the first time, and that gives you a, a certain amount of belief and it allows you to... I think have something inward that you know helps you get through the difficult times and the important games and come out victorious. But the 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 big game in that uh, cup run and the cup winners cup run was uh, Bayern Munich because we always thought at that time the Bundesliga was by far the best league in Europe. You know that the, the, there was nothing to to match it. And we always felt, coming up against German opposition, who'd beaten us uh, previously, that if you could beat the German side, uh, then you had a chance of winning the trophy. Because, you know, Bayern Munich was just packed with uh, the German internationals. You know, just packed with uh, talent. Um, so if we could get by that, then we felt that, you know, there was nothing really uh, that was going to stand in the way to lift this trophy. Um and, and that was a huge game. The the game over there, nil nil, great performance. Uh, you know, controlled the game for long spells and never looked like uh, you, you know conceding anything. And then taking the game to Petardry, still knowing that there was a huge amount to do. And you know, the quality of their two goals kind of saved everything. And even though we kept fighting back. Uh, at certain points, it looked as though we were fighting a losing battle. But, you know, going the 2-1 down and managing to turn it round in such a short period of time towards the end of the game, and maybe still about 12, 13, 14 minutes left to go. But the two goals in quick succession and the atmosphere of Petardry that night was just, uh, you know, unbelievable, just incredible. And then managing to hang on and, and just see it over the line and, and take care of all these... Uh, Top quality international players and a team in the calibre of uh, Bayern Munich, then you know that just makes you, you know, feel that anything's possible. You can take on the world now. You know, it's taking on Scotland and winning the the league, but taking on Europe when you beat Bayern Munich was was the next task. See when Hewitt gets that goal just in quick succession after McLeish gets his. How were you feeling on the park at that time? Is it, is it one of those 
moments of sheer elation or is there also nerves in the sense that you know you've got about 12 minutes to, to hold on to get through? Just focus, you know, just focus and organisation for me. Um, we had got ourselves in a winning position. Uh, my mindset was that uh, we weren't going to let that go. Uh, we couldn't let it go. We had to, you know, be right on top of our game. We knew that they still had quality to uh, to hurt us. We knew that, you know, they had players that could uh, score sensational goals. And it was just a matter of uh, being organised constantly, talking, constantly barracking at everybody, making sure that, you know, this game wasn't won yet. We still had a lot to do. It was it was workmanlike for the last 12 minutes, although, you know, the crowd were going uh, bananas. But our job was on the park, was to see this over the line, over the finishing line. And uh, fortunately, we managed to do it. We managed to tame uh, the Germans, tame the German international players, tame these European Player of the Years, and, uh, and and take Lee Aberdeen into a semi-final of uh, European competition. You get to that semi-final. We talked about the power of Pataudry earlier on. The first leg, a 5-1 victory. Just just sum that game up because you think of a semi-final being a cagey affair. It was nothing like that in the home leg anyway. No, we, we, we totally dominated them. Doogie uh, Bell played that night and he was magnificent. Uh, couldn't cope with him, couldn't cope with any of our players. Uh, we just, you know, had that belief, had that, uh, um, you know, confidence on the back of beating uh, Bayern Munich and going into that semi-final, you know, we weren't going to let them uh, come close to, um, you know, taking that slot away from us, that final slot away from us. And, we just battered them basically in the first leg. The tie was over and done with in the first leg. We knew that. We just had to do the professional job away from home. And 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 we were into a cup final. We are into a European cup final. So, you know, but it's on the back of that belief that beating Bayern Munich gives you that belief that you can take anybody on. And, you know, that's what we did in the semi-final. We just blew them away. You, you, you blew them away indeed and... You get to the final, it's in Gothenburg. What What's the build-up to that final like? How's Alex Ferguson and Archie Knox? How are they keeping keeping the players focused and ready for the final? What's their messages in the in the sort of week leading up to that final? The message was that we could win it. Um, you know, that was what was coming out of them. It wasn't a blasé confidence, but it was a realistic, uh, um, you know, viewpoint from... The manager and his coach that uh, that that we could win this uh, trophy, you know, and and the confidence that we had built up, we were believing that we could do it as well. The build up to the game was pretty laid back, you know. My memory of it was, you know, there wasn't too much uh, information given to us. It wasn't like you know we were we were drilled to play a certain way. Um, it wasn't you know too much information given to you. You weren't you know, working night and day on the training field to make sure you were prepared for it. Um, I think the manager had confidence and trust in his players. We had been playing at a high level. We had just beaten uh, Bayern Munich in the quarterfinals and, you know, easily uh, took care of the semi-final. So he had that trust and that belief and our capabilities and he 
kit, the build up to it, you know, reasonably laid back, uh, you know, not too much information. Uh, information we needed, absolutely. Tactical side, absolutely, how we're going to play. But, you know, other than that, just, just trying to make sure that we didn't leave anything in the dressing room or in the hotel, you know, you can you can do that in finals. Sometimes the occasion can take take over and, and you leave it all behind and you don't, you know, produce the form that you're capable of producing. Um, so they made sure that we were prepared, they made sure that we were relaxed, they made sure we had the belief that we could uh, uh, lift the, 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 the trophy. And again, I mean, the game itself, but at any time, we absolutely battered them. We absolutely hammered them. I mean, this was one-way traffic an uh, extra time uh, for us. We played some magnificent football in, in really treacherous uh, conditions. And over the period of the, of the game, there's no doubt that we were a better team, by far the better team. Um, and, of course, Hugh gets a goal that, uh, that, that allows us to lift the trophy. See, before the game, you may, I'm going to use your words, you said we Aberdeen getting to the semi-final and then the final. See, because you were coming up against the juggernaut that is Real Madrid, managed by De Stefano, was there ever any doubt at all in your mind going into that game? Or had Ferguson and yourself in the dressing room got yourselves into a stage where, no, we deserve to be here, we're equals? Oh no, absolutely, absolutely. That that was the uh, uh, mentality at that time. Um, you know, we had uh, we, we, we had take, we had taken on Rangers, we had taken on Celtic domestically, uh, we were taking on top European uh, sides. Um, you know, a lot of his team were playing at international level. Had that confidence as well. Um, we were getting into a final where, you know, the final before. Juventus won it. I think the final after. Barcelona won it. Um, we were playing Real Madrid. You know, it was a big, big challenge, absolutely. But there was no, no any doubt that uh, that we didn't believe that we could lift that trophy. Um, and I think that's where we were at that time. It was probably the peak of my career and, and quite a number of the players' careers. Um, some of them went on to play at a higher level. Obviously, we Gordon and Mark did, Jim Layton uh, did as well. Uh, some of us stayed at the club, me and Big Alec, but that was, for us, without doubt, the, the, the peak of uh, my career. But the, the mindset going into that game was we were going to win it. What were the celebrations like after that game? And also, how does it feel, especially now with hindsight, looking back, thinking that you were one of the the few Scottish captains who've ever lifted a European trophy? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the celebrations were were good. Um, they weren't over the top. Maybe one or two were a little bit over the top. Um, you know, but, you know, we had family there as well, so it was a kind of a bit of a family affair too after the game. Um, but we celebrated, absolutely we celebrated. Uh and I think it was a feeling of satisfaction, a feeling of uh, we had managed to do something really special here. Um, and that was kind of a mixed with the, you know, that feeling of satisfaction and the feeling of elation was mixed. But we're, we're pretty down-to-earth bunch as well, you know. There was not anybody getting carried away with themselves. Uh, the club was 
well run club. Dick Donald was the, the, the chairman, so he was never going to get overexcited about anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he might have been a bit concerned that he would have to pay uh, what he thought was too high a bonus and uh, what we thought was not nearly enough. Uh, but it was it was um, it was a group of guys that had been playing together for uh, a number of years under a magnificent uh, manager and coach that you know reached the pinnacle of the European football and that's how you celebrate. You celebrate uh, with a lot of joy, but you also have that feeling of satisfaction as well. In terms of that game, in terms of the the situation, what makes me smile looking back? I mean, I'm honest, I'm not an Aberdeen fan, but I love Scottish football. And this quote is one that makes me smile because I just think how proud I am of the fact that a team from our country achieved such a great thing. Alfredo Di Stefano, after the game, the direct quote he has is, Aberdeen have what money cannot buy, a soul, a team spirit built on a family tradition. How incredible. Does that sum up perfectly what was built at Aberdeen under Sir Alex and during your spell there? I think it, I think it does, yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's a great club. It's, it's a well-run club. It always has been uh, properly uh, managed from the top all the way down. Um, you know, you, you were looked after at the time, uh, you know, w- within the parameters that they could afford. Um, but it was, it was, it was bringing together, you know, a group of players through, you know, players that were taken on. I mean, Johnny Master came up as a youngster, Rugby as a youngster, me as a youngster. You had the local guys, um, you know, Cooper, uh, Simpson, Hewitt. Uh, you had the, the North boys, you know, Gun and, and the Black. And then you had the imported uh, players, you know, you had Strachan, you had uh, Peter Weir, you had uh, Matt McGee, um, not forgetting Jim Layton, who was another youngster that came up. So we, we all kind of grew up together, maybe at, at different stages. So it was that uh, kind of a family group. Um, and the guys that were imported in became part of that family, the manager. You know, took that responsibility on along with Archie. Uh, so it was very much a quote that reflected uh, how Aberdeen were uh, during that period of time. One thing that I think is really important to to mention is the fact that obviously when people look back at that era of Scottish football, Gothenburg is the thing they, they look at and the league titles too. But what I want to get out there for, for the younger generation like myself is People sometimes forget, after Gothenburg, you won another two league titles. You won another three Scottish Cups, including that McLeish and Miller won the Cup just to, just after Gothenburg. You won another League Cup, and you also won the Super Cup. So that winning mentality was was there throughout that Sir Alex Ferguson reign, and even after you, the, you had all achieved the peak of your career, and as you had said, there was still that relentless drive to keep on going. What was it like after Gothenburg and the endless driving determination that you as a team and, and your manager had as well? Well, that, that's what it was. It was an, an endless drive. Uh, you know, I think uh, what tells you that, that it was endless was that the manager actually went down to Manchester United and continued that domination uh, with a, a much bigger club. But as far as Aberdeen was concerned, then... You know, that determination to be special was there when I joined the club back in 71. It didn't come to fruition until 
really, um, Sir Alex took over. And then that drive, that, that will to win, that determination, that light wasn't going to be switched off in, in any shape or form under, under the manager. Um, so it was constantly drilled in. It was, uh, you know, constantly, we were constantly reminded what we had to do to win trophies, how we had to uh, play, you know, the mentality, the, the mindset that we needed to have when we went down to uh, Glasgow to take on. Uh, and, and we're talking about Rangers and, and Celtic here, but you also had them being United who were performing magnificent, uh, magnificently in, uh, in, in domestic uh, competitions and in European competitions at yeah. that time as well. So you had them to take care of um, as well. Uh, so that was constantly drilled in. I mean, every every day you were confronted with that drive and determination uh, from the manager and his coaching team. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't doer stuff. There was a lot of humour uh, involved as well, but the humour always uh, gave way to the the, the, the determination, the organisation, the, the willpower, uh, the character to constantly be successful and you know that's what they did in, in, in the 80s particularly the first half of the 80s In addition to the, the numerous titles that you won as a team and as a collective and as a captain you also had two really distinct individual honours in the 80s which which I'm sure you're very proud of you were the PFA Scotland Player of the Year and the Football Writers Player of the Year of 1984 how proud were you to win that individual honour and be recognised for for being such a good player in, in that spell for the club? Yeah, I mean it, it was a great honour, absolutely. Um, you know, when I look back on it though, I just can't understand why Charlie Nicholas got the uh, Sports Writers Player of the Year in '83 and I didn't. <laughs> um, maybe maybe the fact that he scored about fifty odd goals helped him right enough. Uh, but to get the to get both honours and uh, the year after that in '84, I think, uh, was um, you know again very proud moment for myself. The, the, all, all the work that had been done since making my debut in '73, and you know climbing the ladder of success to you know that peak that I was talking about uh, in '83, in, in and getting the two uh, awards in '84 was uh, you know a reflection on. Uh, you know the quality myself, but the quality of the team as well. I think you know without the team, then the awards wouldn't have came my way. Very much a, a, a team effort, but uh, a, a great year for myself personally, and uh, getting the recognition from the sports writers and my fellow players was just uh, just magnificent. I want to fast forward to to eighty six and Alec Ferguson, Sir Alex Ferguson gets the chance to join Manchester United. What was it like when Sir Alex left the club? Well, we, we kind of knew that uh, if a big club came calling, uh, but it had to be a big club. I think there was maybe other suitors round about that time. I mean, when when a manager comes to a club like Aberdeen and takes them to, uh, you know, league titles and, you know, league cups and Scottish cups and, you know, his face is always there, not being happy when he's just won the double of the European Cup and his Cup and the Scottish Cup within what, a two-week uh, period. That, that's going to attract attention, isn't it? It's going to attract attention to bigger clubs. And we all knew that that was, uh, 
you know, the potential that lay ahead. And I think when Manchester United came in, we all knew that he was going to take that job. He couldn't turn that one down. He maybe turned one down before it, but not that one. Um, so I, I think it was one a disappointment, but also, you know, being thankful of uh, having him for that period of time and wishing him all the best in his new job. Um, it, it, it took him a number of years to actually convince people down south uh, and get the results that he needed. Uh, probably three seasons he, he was, you know, struggling, but eventually he came through and did something similar to what he did at Aberdeen, giving the youngsters an, an opportunity and then going on to achieve just magnificent success, uh, just unbelievable success. Um, so it was, uh, it was it was sad to see him go, but uh, we're privileged to have him for that period of time. When he joined Manchester United, was did he have interest in you and were you ever tempted to leave Aberdeen after Sir Alex had left the club? I think there was some kind of agreement that was eventually broken that he wouldn't come back and take players from uh, Aberdeen to, to United. Um, I, I think I was kind of a 27 at, at that time and believe it or not, that was deemed to be quite old back in the day. I, I think, you know, he took Jim Layton and I think there was the possibility of maybe McLeish going. I was considered maybe, you know, possibly just too old at that time. Um, but I think there was a kind of a gentleman's agreement for a, a short period of time anyway. Something happened to break that agreement and he came in for Jim Layton. Uh, you know, but listen, I'm more than happy with uh, the career that I had at Aberdeen. Um, delighted to have been part of that special time and the time before and the time after as well. So no regrets from me. Just happy that he eventually, uh, Sir Alex eventually, United round and went on to dominate European football Life after Sir Alex you had a couple of managers and you also managed to win another League Cup, how proud were you um, when you won that trophy? Yeah um, you know uh, Alex Smith, Jockey Scott uh, good managers, good coaches uh, enjoyed playing under them uh, you know that the, there was a combination of Sir Alex going and Graham Souness coming into Rangers and Rangers then being able to entice top uh, English players up to the kind of a balance swung back in favour of the old firm again. Um, but we were still competing and we were still making it very difficult for uh, Rangers. We had three in a row against Rangers uh, League Cup, so I think it was called Skull Cup. And these days, I think, not just 100% sure, but they had beaten us twice in the cup final. And this was the third time. So it was imperative <laughs> that we that we didn't allow a hat-trick of defeats against Rangers. And we managed to take uh, we take the third one and, and lift the league cup for, uh, for, for uh, Alex Smith and, and still be... Uh, a pretty dominant force for the rest of the 80s, but Rangers were then becoming the dominant force once again, being able to bring in these top players, real lost players as well. You know, McGee and Strachan, uh, you know, definitely players that you're, you're going to miss. Um, but we also brought in some, you know, some more talent. Um, but still very competitive. You know, didn't manage to do another title, but 
you know, the League Cups were, were exciting. The Skull Cups against Rangers were exciting uh, games of football. Uh, so, you know, still a very uh, profitable time for Aberdeen in terms of competing at the very top. Maybe not the same in terms of lifting the amount of trophies that we managed to lift in the first half of the 80s. You retire in, in 1990. When we look back and you think 797 appearances for the club, 20-year association with the club as well, 32 goals and so many honours at the club. I mean, three league titles, four Scottish Cups, three league Cups, the Cup Winners' Cup and the European Super Cup. Looking back in your playing career with Aberdeen, just how proud are you, especially now with hindsight, knowing that the club hasn't won the league title since? Well, you know, it's, it's, when you look back, it's, it's unbelievable what was uh, achieved. I mean, I was always a positive uh, thinker, always uh, have been, hopefully always will be. Um, you know, and you always thought that certain things would be achievable in the game. Um, but to actually do what we managed to do, to lift the amount of trophies, to uh, you know, be up there in the company of Bayern Munich and Real Madrid, uh, to you know, take on the European uh, Cup winners uh, in Hamburg and, and, and beat them uh, for the Super Cup and dominate Scottish football, where it's been dominated uh, before by the old firm. Uh, is just an incredible achievement. So, you know, very proud of myself uh, and all the all the players that took part, and and for the club itself as well, because that's the most important thing. The club goes on, players come and go. You know, that was uh, a very unusual and exciting period for everybody involved, and uh, you know, very proud to be part of it. You are considered, and you were voted. Aberdeen's greatest player of all time and you're also in the, the greatest Aber Aberdeen team of all time which was voted on by supporters of the club just how proud are you to 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 be the, the ultimate Aberdeen icon? Well it's great to be looked upon like that I, I was at the club for such a long period of time as well you know a lot of players came and, and went uh, uh, kind of a my career and my life was uh, at Aberdeen and I think that's reflected and, you know, the thoughts of Aberdeen supporters and the fact that you get voted uh, in these terms and talked about in these terms, uh, you know, but there's a lot of players that put a lot into this club, a lot of people that uh, have run the club, you know, chairman, secretaries, the staff, coaching staff, Teddy Scott, all the managers that we've spoken about as well, so... It was a great club to be part of. Um, totally proud of, you know, the accolades that I get. Um, but very fortunate as well to be part of a special period in time for Aberdeen Football Club. Before we talk about your managerial career, I want to obviously, I'd be daft not to talk to you about your career with Scotland, which was another, another really glorious era for Scotland. I know obviously some people look back maybe with slight disappointment we didn't go further at World Cups considering the team we had, but when you look at the the, the, the situation we're in now with the fact we've not qualified since 98. I mean, it's a real golden era for our national team looking back. And what was it like playing with the national team and having the joy of, of playing at World Cups under the likes of Jock Steen and, and Alex Ferguson again? Well, you know, I think as a youngster, that, 
you want to be a professional footballer, but you want to represent your country as well. You want to rep- represent your country at the highest level. Um, always, uh, you know, was determined to try and do that. It was uh, a bit of a struggle initially to get into the international team. Uh, you know, most of the, the, the years of the 70s was a, a constant struggle to try and impress. But, you know, once I get the opportunity in the beginning of the 80s, then I'm not going to let it go and I'm not going to let it out of my grasp. Um, and very fortunate to, you know, be part of the international setup to play in two World Cup finals. Um, you know, never played in a European uh, a championship, but you got to remember that there was only eight teams at that time that actually participated, <laughs> not the 24 that we've got these days. <laughs> exactly. um, so much more difficult to qualify for, for that campaign, but to do two World Cups uh, was just a, a great experience uh, for me and the rest of the players. And yeah, perhaps looking back, disappointing and not being able to to take that step forward and and qualify out of the group stages. But still, you can't take away from the fact that participating at that level in a World Cup, two World Cup finals, uh, was just a fantastic experience. What was it like working under Jock Steen? Yeah, he he was a great man-manager. Um, Joe, very, very shrewd uh, in terms of uh, how he handled people. I think that was his his, his big asset was uh, handling his team, handling you know press, handling people round about him. Again, uh, a big character, you know, held the attention of everybody when he walked into a room. Huge respect from you know the players that worked under him, um, and, and again, a fantastic experience to. Work under Alex Ferguson, work under Jockstein as well, two greats of the Scottish game. What I wanted to ask you about also is, see, when you go to a World Cup, obviously it's in foreign soil. In terms of being away for so long, does that bring its challenges as well? It does up to a point, but I, I think, you know, the magnitude of the occasion, it kind of uh, overtakes that. You know, you you know you're going to be away for a while. You know that, uh, you know you're going to have to travel abroad. You're going to be, you know, locked up in a camp. But you're training as well. You're getting on with players that you know. Uh, the the coaching staff, you know, appreciate that uh, you need looked after, and they look after you really well. So, no, I, I think you bend everything in terms of any kind of a thought of sacrifice because you're in the game to play at the highest level and the highest level international level is obviously the World Cup so that takes over The characters in the national team similar to your characters with Aberdeen some of your Aberdeen teammates were obviously in the squads who were the big characters when you were away with Scotland especially at those tournaments I mean Alan Ruff on TV and radio seems like a big character and he's not shy in telling us that he's been to three World Cups yeah yeah I mean obviously he he, he was a character um, you know a big character uh, Charlie Nicholas as well Um you know, I think you, you've looking at what Charlie brings to the humour that he can bring to the international team. Um, Kenny Dalglish, Graham Souness, you know, big, big, important uh, personalities and, and characters that 
uh, you know, played for Scotland, uh, Joe Jordan um, in, in 82. Um, just, I mean, just packed with them. Danny McGrain, you're talking about. Um, you know, you're talking about class players here. You're talking about players that are playing at the very highest level domestically. Um, and, and, you know, the character that they bring, the personality that they bring to uh, to the international team is just a, a joy to be part of. One of the things that's been, that's always brought up with yourself and the national team is you played really well with Alex McLeish and people always, maybe in your opinion, I don't know, unfairly point out what it was like when Alan Hansen played alongside you. What was Alan Hansen like to play alongside and do you think there's too much made of that, that mistake that, that ultimately was made? No, I, I understand, um, you know, people went back and reflecting on the the, the Russian game. Um, I think, as far as me and Alan Hansen was concerned, Alan's a you know, top-quality player, absolutely uh, magnificent player, but we weren't good as a team. I think that was uh, the issue, you know, put us together, take us apart, we're both good players. Put us together, then it didn't work. And, you know, we didn't play that many games together. I think, you know, very quickly it was after the 82 uh, World Cup, it was more or less Big Alec and myself that were, uh, you know, put together. And I think that partnership helped both of us get as many caps as we did. Unfortunately, it was a case of, me and Hansen didn't work. It just wasn't a, a, a partnership. And there was a partnership there waiting to be utilised and used by the international manager, a, a domestic partnership that uh, had proven quality. So I was fortunate to uh, survive that incident. I was fortunate to be put together with Alec McLeish and then go on to get the majority of my caps thereafter. So although you look back... Uh, on what might have been, I think you look forward and what actually happened. And you know, for me, I was very fortunate that uh, I went on to accumulate as many caps as I did. Absolutely, and you're also a, a member of the Scottish Football Hall of Fame, and you've got the the Scottish National Football Team Roll of Honour as well. How proud is are those personal accolades, considering that to play for your country's an honour, never mind to be in the Hall of Fame and get over fifty caps. Yeah. I, it's, uh, it's pretty humbling uh, to, to, you know, be up there beside all the uh, the greats of Scottish football. So I think it's it's very proud. I'm very proud of the fact that I am there, but it's pretty humbling as well to realise that, you know, the opinion of uh, people who have knowledge of the game uh, kind of put you in that bracket. So... It's magnificent to be up there along with them. Something that, as a kid, you could only dream about, but is now reality. In terms of your time with Scotland, it was a time, as we've talked about, that you had immense pride in. Your time with Aberdeen was was absolutely legendary, as we've discussed. Was managing and coaching always a name for you? It wasn't particularly. I think I kind of grew into it. Towards the end of my career, and I thought I'll, I'll go and give the, uh, the, the coaching side um, a go. So I did 
you know, the coaching courses down at Lars, which were very, very good. Um, you know, and the hope that you can go into coaching, and that's what I did. I, I really enjoyed the coaching side of it. The managerial side has its challenges, as any manager will tell you, and eventually I decided it wasn't for me. Um, the coaching was always an enjoyable, an enjoyable aspect of both coaching and managing. Um, but I wouldn't say that I, I was desperate from an early age to, uh, to to be a manager or a coach. Um, I think I could have quite happily been a coach for the rest of my days, but the managerial side, I felt I didn't feel comfortable at times uh, with it, and hence I didn't uh, I didn't really pursue it after the three years that I had at Aberdeen. Um, but I enjoyed the three years. I had a couple of successful years and uh, a pretty unsuccessful year. Uh, having made quite a number of changes personnel-wise uh, to the team. Um, but, you know, I'll always look back um, with uh, pride that I managed to, you know, not only play for the club, but to coach and manage the club and, you know, also be a director of the club at a later stage too. So um, the association with the club, you know, has, has been a lifelong one um, and one that... Uh, I'm very proud of. Your association with Aberdeen, as you've said, has been has been a long one. It's been a very successful one in, in, in multiple capacities. In terms of your career outside of football, Willie, you've worked for the BBC for, for quite a long time alongside a man I've had in the podcast recently, an Aberdeen fanatic in, in Richard Gordon. What's it like working for the BBC and what's it like being a part of Open All Mics? Well, it's beginning to be a distant memory unfortunately <laughs> but uh, it's great yeah I mean I've, I've worked with the BBC for oh, I don't know now maybe 30 years something like that on and off uh, so they're a great organisation um, they, they they want you to give your opinion they don't try to edit your opinion in any way they don't try to guide you in any way they just want to take uh, the knowledge and the experience that you've got and, and put it into a blend uh, with other, uh, you know, footballers, majority footballers. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're all footballers, basically, and open all mates. You, you throw wee chicken and uh, reporters as well. When you put all that into the melt, melting, pot, melting pot, it kind of becomes out, uh, you, you know, we are a mixture of uh, kind of a knowledge, excitement and humour that I think the listeners really enjoy and it brings Scottish football to the nation. I think, you know, just now we're all missing it. We're all missing it greatly. Um, not having a game to go to, not being able to give your opinion on what's happening, you know, on the field of play. Um, so that that's difficult to take just now. But over the years, working with the BBC has been just a tremendous experience and uh, I'm very fortunate that they keep asking me back. I'd like to finish with a round of quick fire questions. First of all being, who are the best players you've played with? Um, and Dalglish, I mean, is, is uh, probably, I would say, the one that's up there at the very top. But really, I mean, you're talking too many to, 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 to go over that, that team of 83 is packed with players of all different qualities and different characters. Uh, Alec 
place playing alongside him and Jim Leighton for such a long time, both at club and international level. Uh, and again, some of the best in the world as well. Uh, but very fortunate, both at international level and club level, to play with a quality that uh, that really, you know, is too long a list to go over. Who would you say was your toughest opponent in your career? Well, probably the most important one was uh, Rummenigger when we took on Bayern Munich. I think that was the one. Yeah, I mean, twice European Player of the Year. It doesn't come uh, much better than that. And and to, to curb him, um, I would say he is probably the, the biggest, certainly the longest name <laughs> that I've uh, had to take on. But he would, be, he, he would have been the biggest challenge. Who would you say is the most underrated player you played with? I mean, John McMaster could be one um, that is perhaps a little bit uh, underrated. Uh, Stuart Kennedy was maybe one of the other ones. Um, both the uh, guys that I played with at Aberdeen, uh, I think I think any of them two would certainly be players that uh, deserve higher recognition. Other than Pataudry, what was your favourite ground to play football at? Loved Hamden. Uh, obviously, getting to Hamden semi-finals and finals, it was an occasion. You knew it was an occasion. You know it was an important event that you were going to take part in. And I would say Hamden would be the one that I would hear, Mark, uh, apart from Pataudry. We talked about Capolo earlier. Would that? I was going to ask you what your bogey ground was as a player. I'm assuming maybe that Capolo is the answer. That's the one, yeah. yeah. I mean... The old Airdrie ground was a bit of a nightmare, but I think Capolo kind of uh, lost that. Um, it was never a place I enjoyed playing at for some reason. Made my debut there. That's probably the only happy memory I've got of it. Always a difficult place to to, to go. Uh, you know, Andy Ritchie was always a thorn on our side, and uh, I don't know, just everything. And probably it still is. Size of the dressing rooms. You can hardly get the hampers in. It just was not a nice experience. Um, so that that's definitely the bogey ground and the one that uh, I never liked playing in. If you had to pick a five-a-side team with teammates you had over the years, who would be in it? Oh, well, I'll put Leighton in goals, that's for sure. Put McLeese beside me. Um, I'll put Douglas uh, up front. Um, I think I would put McGee beside, yeah, McGee beside Douglas, me, McLeese, Leighton and Strachan. Sounds good. And the last question I've got for you is, if you could play for any manager in modern football today, who would it be and why? Any manager now? Clark would be one and Brendan Rodgers would be the other one, I would think. Two completely different characters. Um, I would think it would be Klopp. I think he would be the one. That, uh, he, just because he's, his character, his personality, his drive, he's a bit of his humour as well. Uh, and what he's achieving just now. Yeah, Jurgen Klopp would be the one, the modern day one, and probably the most prominent nowadays as well. 
as we're speaking, that uh, I would have liked to have been part of one of his teams. I just want to finish by saying thank you for joining me in the podcast and also a massive thank you to, to you for the way you treated me that day in the press box at St Mirren. You, you spent time talking away. You said you would do the podcast. You've you've done it, which is honestly a pleasure for me. So I just want to thank you, Willie, for, for being so generous with your time and, and for helping support me with this. OK, Carl. No problem at all. Pleasure talking. So we'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song We'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song Thanks for listening to another episode of the Football CFB podcast with me, Callum McFadden. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at football underscore CFB and please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or through Anchor FM um, where I always post my links to the podcasts anyway. Um, I hope you enjoyed this podcast and I cannot wait to share my next one with you. Please join me again um, very soon when I'll have another Football CFB with. But until next time, take care.